Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, it was 20 years ago. Congress approved George W. Bush's invasion of Iraq with the AUMF, a.k.a. the 2002 Authorization for Use of Military Force. AUMF, much easier to say, I think, even on a Friday. Uh, Since then, various presidents have used the AUMF to justify military strikes not authorized by Congress. Uh, But that could be coming to an end. And uh, as always, we look to Olivier Knox, a national political correspondent and anchor of the Daily 202 at the Washington Post. That should be part of your day. And uh, Olivier, when I saw your your writing on this particular issue, uh, you're so crisp in all of this analysis. And I want to just walk our listeners through what this was, what it is, and uh, what's being done by a bipartisan group of senators uh, to actually change this a little bit. Uh, But let's start with this use of force, 2002. Uh, Take us to the beginning. Well, in the beginning, Boyd, um, the George W. Bush administration went to Congress and asked essentially for this authorization for use of military force. Um, It was fall of 2002. The administration was pressuring Saddam Hussein's Iraq to uh, be more forthcoming, work with international weapons and uh, investigators, because, of course, of these allegations from the United States, from the Bush administration, that Saddam Hussein had retained weapons of mass destruction and the means to produce them. And so initially, this was sort of seen as, well, this is going to be giving the Bush administration leverage to say, either you let these inspectors in you know, peacefully or we will come in and uh, militarily and we will, you know, things will go worse for you. Um, a lot of prominent Democrats voted in favor of this authorization for use of military force. Hillary Clinton voted in favor. John Kerry voted in favor. A lot of people voted in favor. Uh, in March of 2003, George W. Bush invades Iraq, topples Saddam Hussein, who is later uh, tried in 2005 and executed in 2006. But this authorization for the use of military force doesn't go away. These things don't magically expire. They actually have to be repealed, rescinded by Congress. And that has not happened. Um, And so you can go back to the beginning and realize this thing, in theory, should should be useless. There should be no point to having this on the books. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's such an interesting thing. So one, uh, we we do want to make sure Congress is involved when a president is going to use force, when we're going to get in the the war business there. Uh, But then as you pointed out, the fact that this 
just stayed on the books. It didn't expire. Uh, give us some examples. Uh, we know there's various presidents of various political parties uh, have acted under that AUMF uh, as their justification right. to do things. Give us those examples. Right, and this is this is what's really this is what's really important to understand is that uh, the the lawmakers who are trying to repeal this this is not just some intellectual exercise. This is not some symbolic clearing of legislative yeah. cobwebs. Yeah. Um, both Barack Obama and Donald Trump invoked the 2002 AUMF to justify military action in Iraq um, and in and in Obama's case in Syria. The argument. Um, was that the threat, the 2002 AUMF talked about the threat coming from Iraq. Well, let's see, ISIS is in Iraq, so that's technically a threat from Iraq. Mm. So Obama invoked it for that, and then Donald Trump invoked it as part of his justification for killing um, the, uh, the Iranian general, Qasem Soleimani, who you know, was basically um, uh, uh, you know, covert ops, uh, terrorism, and special forces for Iran all wrapped in one. And they invoked it. They also had that sort of neat, tidy little rhetorical trick where they pretended this was the same thing as the threat from Iraq, which, again, initially yeah. was Saddam Hussein. <laughs> um, so both these, both of those presidents used this authorization to justify military action. And the argument from the bipartisan group of lawmakers trying to rescind this, repeal this, is that um, it, it's plainly, it has plainly been misused. And so if we don't want future presidents to misuse it, well, the only way to ensure that is to repeal it. Yeah, and that's and that's such an important thing. Again, this is one of those that uh, doesn't matter whether you sit on the political uh, spectrum. This this is about, one, making sure that if we, we are going to deal with things relating to war, we shouldn't be at war unless Congress has, has done their job as it relates to that. And, and when that's over, uh, it should be over. Uh, and we shouldn't point back to it 20 years later as justification for any other kind of activity, military, assassination attempt, whatever whatever it may be. Uh, and so tell us what these uh, two con- two members of the Senate in particular uh, who are trying to, to get this to, to move along, give us the status of what is that effort looking like and uh, what's coming? Well, this effort been, uh, has been led by Tim Kaine, Democrat of Virginia, who has been uh, one of the stalwart voices under presidents of both parties yeah. uh, in favor of Congress taking a more assertive role, uh, clawing back some of the war-making authority that it has lost uh, since 9-11 and actually before that. Mm. You know, fun fact for your listeners, think of all the conflicts you can name off the top of your head. Think of all the wars you can name off the top of your head. Now, can you tell me roughly when the last time the U.S. Congress actually declared war? World War II. So, um, again, this is this is a very this is a significant policy debate. So what they want to do is they want to repeal the 2002 uh, authorization for the use of military force. Initially, um, Senator Kane also wanted to do away with the 1991 authorization for the use of military force, which also had to do with Saddam Hussein's Iraq. But it looks like it's going to be just the 2002. And so what they want to do is they want to bundle this repeal into the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. That's an annual piece of legislation. It always passes. It always passes with pretty significant bipartisan majorities. And so if you successfully add something to that legislation, you increase the odds of it passing by a lot. Yeah, and that's something that will also uh, take place uh, probably around the same time we're dealing with funding the government 
Uh, those are always things that you need to get done about mid-December before everybody uh, wants to to head home. Uh, I want to I jump back for just a second, Olivia, just for our listeners really lock that in, that you know there aren't that many things outlined in terms of specific duties of, of Congress. Uh, declaring war is one of them. And, yes. and we haven't done it since World War II, <laughs> and yet we have all these other little things on the books that are allowing – Presidents of both parties, again, Congress cedes the power. The executive branch is all too happy to say, well, okay, well, we'll function under that then. Uh, and that's why we are where we are. So the irony the irony is AUMFs, which is in fact how they are referred to in D.C., AUMFs used to be seen as a vehicle for limiting the executive branch's power. If you declare war formally, a whole bunch of powers automatically accrue to the president of the United States as commander-in-chief. Yeah. So initially, uh, these authorizations were seen as making it possible to limit the scope of American military involvement in conflict. But since 9-11, that's been very, it's been very different. So the 2001 authorization for the use of military force, the one that in theory was to permit uh, the United States to strike inside Afghanistan, to go after the people who had carried out 9-11 and the people who had been providing material support to them, that's now become justification under every president since 9-11 to wage war around the world yeah. um, on, on al-Qaeda and, of course, but also on extremist groups that didn't exist around 9-11 and have no meaningful connection to the core al-Qaeda as we think of it, uh, you know, the Osama bin Laden, the Ayman al-Zawahiri, those folks. Yeah. Um, so this is really, I mean, if you, if you care about, um, about accountability yes. for – uh, sending young men, American men and women, into harm's way. This is a debate that you should probably tune in. Yeah, uh, very well said, and I, I think it's so important because it does take to that next thing. I love the way you concluded your piece, Olivier, when you talked about, okay, if we can get this part done, then we can really start having a transparent conversation with some accountability uh, in terms of the entire war on terrorism and how you know we can't just keep having these open-ended uh, things that uh, rarely lead us to the best decisions or the best outcomes. Listen, I mean, I was really shocked when you, do you remember that botched raid in Niger in the in the Trump era. I was really shocked at how many members of Congress and senators uh, didn't know that the United States had military forces on the ground in Niger. Mm -hmm. And some of that is uh, you can put that on the on the tab of the 2001 authorization. Uh, and so this is what we mean when we talk about yeah. accountability. We're talking about where the United States puts troops in harm's way and for what purpose and for how long and under what kinds of rules of engagement. This is not some airless classroom conversation. It's very, very real. And it's all the more real for the people um, who actually serve in uniform. Yeah, that's right. And we have to make sure that those brave women and men uh, that are put in harm's way, uh, that they have a clear mission they have the right support, the right things uh, in terms of how they carry it out, and then the right support when they come back and their families uh, when they don't. Uh, those are all part of that crucial conversation. Uh, Olivier Knox, uh, always appreciate your perspective and insight. He's a national political correspondent and anchor of the Daily 202 at the Washington Post. You should make that part of your everyday uh, the way we do here at Inside Sources. Olivia, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always my pleasure. All right. Again, that's Olivia Knox from The Washington Post. Uh, that's an important one. If we're going to be at war, Congress has a job to do so that we can have some open beginnings, closed endings, 
and accountability along the way. We'll take a quick commercial break. Come back with some final thoughts on a Friday. Stick around on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.